All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation. My name is Dave Woodrelli. That is Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass. It's a big night tonight. Roberto Luongo going up into the Ring of Honor. Harmon, how are you doing today? Doing well. I feel like we should coordinate our outfits a little better moving forward, just because I feel like every time you dress formal, I'm super <laughs> casual, and anytime I... I'm going to a practice or a morning skate. I dress up nice and you look pretty casual. So it's been a while since we've both been on a similar level in terms of how how much we've dressed up. So I take it you're not going to the game tonight. No. Okay. Well, I am. That's why I've got my my best burgundy suit on uh, for this game. But I think you're right. We do have to kind of coordinate our outfits. But usually it's one or the other going to the game. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Well, the reason I got I I can't go to the games tonight is I got to pack for the road trip tomorrow, yes. uh, and I'm and I'm on rank wide duties post game with uh with JPAD. So yes, rank wide available after the game. Grady, what do you, you got for you us? You guys still look better than the bum producer in the background who's wearing parkas and tubes <laughs> and looking like a disheveled mess half the time. People were asking if it was an ice box where Grady has to work because we never wear our jackets on set and. It's interesting. It's an interesting conversation to have. Are you excited to go on the road? When was the last time you went on the road? Last season. The opening road trip where, oh man, that opening road trip where they blew all those leads, <laughs> had a players only meeting after the third game of the season in Washington. It was crazy. I remember being in the press box and the Washington game, the Canucks had allowed one goal and they were still up. But I remember turning to PJ in the press box 
and just going, man, I cannot do this again. They're going to be bad this year. <laughs> like, you could just tell the vibes are off. I feel like every time, not every time, but many times when I am on the road, the, the team is just in, in, a, in a disarray because one of the other road trips I'd been on the previous season was early in the 2021-22 season when Travis Green and the Canucks, they had gone through like Vegas and Colorado. And that was basically the, big, the beginning of the end of his and Benning's tenure where just a catastrophic road trip. So um, fingers crossed that nothing horrific happens while I'm on the road here. Yeah, Canucks <laughs> going on a four-game road trip uh, after tonight's game against the Florida Panthers. As for shows, we should say Jeff Patterson in tomorrow because you are obviously traveling. So Jeff Patterson will be sitting in your seat. And then after that, you've got some surprise co-hosts. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna divulge anything further. Uh, but we've got some surprise co-hosts, two different ones uh, later in the week, but you'll be joining remotely a couple shows next week. So you'll still be here. Uh, well not here, but you'll still be on the show. Okay. Uh, Luongo going up into the ring of honor. Let's start there. But before we do. I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, HSBC World Rugby Sevens, Western Canada's largest sporting event. And this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. HSBC Vancouver Sevens, where high caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide. SVNS truly is a sporting event like no other and a weekend you won't want to miss. For three full days from February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be. 12 women's and 12 men's sevens teams, including two Canadian squads, take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and partying. Tickets on sale now at vansevens.com, starting from just $40 per day. Today, Roberto Longo called Vancouver the nicest city in the world, in his opinion. Said he's going to walk around downtown Vancouver with the family tomorrow. They got in late last night, did a press conference this morning, which we'll get to a lot of uh, on this show. And then he said he spent another day in Vancouver. If you have a tourist, or if Luongo's bringing his family back, right? His kids were young at the time. Where, where's he taking them? I don't Robson, know why you're asking me. <laughs> Robson Ice Rink? Like, Not if you bad. have tourist friends come in, what do you yeah. tell them? Where do you tell them to go? If it's summertime, well, that's the thing. Like, with the weather, it makes it a little bit more more difficult, because otherwise, if summer's great, I tell them, hit up Kitts Beach, Stanley Park. Uh, obviously, if you're in Kitts, Granville Island's really close. English Bay. Yeah. Coquitlam Center. Spanish Banks. Maine and Hastings. Oh, wait, no. Coquitlam Center. That's my pick. Poirier to go watch this Coquitlam Express. Okay. (laughs) Getting it back on the rails. It Uh, is funny, though. I'll I'll, I'll say this. Uh, So one of my friends, uh, so he he and his family had rented, not recently, they don't have the apartment anymore, but they'd rented this absurdly cool Yale Town penthouse. And apparently the, and basically the entire sort of half of the top floor was theirs. You had a view of uh, the water. It was amazing. And apparently it was either that Luongo had been in that suite or the one right across. And I'm just like that, that, that suite was so baller. I'm like, no wonder you know, he, he chose to sort of, um, Spend some of his time there. It's such a cool spot. So I just had to throw that in there. Dude well. drives a G wagon. He's has got swag. He's always had swag. We always know that. He's got that swagger. Uh, okay, let's talk about Roberto Longo going into the Ring of Honor tonight. The thing I told you guys before the show is I don't want to have the debate again 
about should it be Ring of Honor or should it be Jersey Retirement? Because all three of us agree that it should be Jersey Retirement. And I don't think any of us want to, well, I definitely don't, uh, want to get into that part of the discussion because today is Roberto Luongo's day. I want to focus on Roberto Luongo, the player, what he meant to the city, and not even in the sense of, oh, he should have had his jersey retired. I'm not trying to do that today. It's going to be a great ceremony tonight. He's got a speech prepared. I'm really looking forward to that. And all these pregame ceremonies, let's not forget, they've just knocked them out of the park lately, starting with the Sedin's jersey retirement with Kevin Bieksa doing stand-up comedy for 45 minutes. That was fantastic. Starting there, moving all the way down to where we're at now, and they've had them over the years, they've been crushing these lately. So I'm hopeful that tonight, and I'm confident that tonight uh, will be the same with Roberto Luongo going up into the ring of honor. Yeah. What stands out to me about Luongo and the 2011 core as a whole is they transcended Canucks fandom. And what I mean by that is there are countless occasions where you run into people in the city who aren't Canucks fans, but when you tell them, when, when they ask you, Oh, what do you do for work? And you bring up that, Oh yeah, I I'm a Canucks reporter. It isn't, Pedersen or or Hughes or Miller or anybody on the current team that immediately comes to mind, it's always the Sedins and Luongo. Immediately, people's eyes light up when they remember that era. It was a special era too because it was around the time of the 2010 Olympics as well. And I find that so cool because that happened over a decade ago now. So the fact that casual, you know, Vancouverites weren't even hockey fans still remember with such fondness the impact that Luongo, the Sedins, Kessler Burroughs, the entire 2011 core had, to me, that speaks volumes because it is so difficult to transcend your your bubble of, of hockey fans. And yet that's what Luongo literally did. He spoke about his time in Vancouver this morning. And I think he put that so nicely that he, I, I don't like, I'm not saying he was a diva and made himself bigger than the team, but for a while, he was bigger than the team, like in terms of just popularity and what he meant to the people of this city. Like you just said it when when you hear Vancouver Canucks, a lot of people in this city still think about Roberto Longo. They obviously think about that era's team. And look, um, he's the greatest goalie in franchise history, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, one of the best goalies of all time. Definitely top five, if not top three. I got into it this morning on Daily Faceoff Live with our, our pal Frank Saravalli when I threw out Luongo's a top three goaltender. Brought up Marty Broder. There's an interesting, interesting discussion to be had there. But I'll just say it like Marty Broder, you know, Luongo was robbed of that Vesna in his first year with the Vancouver Canucks. And Lachlan Irvin wrote a really good piece over at Canucks Army that went live literally moments ago before we started recording here. Um, you know, and he kind of dove into the numbers a bit. And I don't even think you have to dive in the numbers, dive into the numbers to understand what Luongo meant to this city um, and the level of greatness that he brought to the Vancouver goal crease. And I'm going to reference it because I reference it all the time, but Scott Rintoul's West Coast Express um, podcast series. That was a really good way to learn about what the Canucks were like before that era and before where they are now and how really after the trade of Kirk McLean, it was a goalie graveyard. Like everybody called Vancouver a goalie graveyard. Vancouver is one of the most elite goaltending departments in the entire league and basically has 
since Roberto Luongo came to Vancouver. Now I know Ian Clark gets a lot of credit for that, but it's also the guys in the crease, right? Like those guys, a lot of them getting trained by Ian Clark, those guys did the work and Luongo really set the standard for great goaltending in Vancouver. And now we're seeing a guy like Thatcher Demko, who's obviously coming into his own as well. But I just, I, I think he means so much more than whatever you can see on his hockey DB page. Yeah. And before you really saw the Sedins, Kessler, Burroughs, all of them really hit their stride before you saw the likes of Ham Hughes and, and Arahoff joined the blue line and, and the team's depth really improving. The team through like 2007, 2008 felt like it was really carried by Luongo by a, by a, a significant extent. And, and during that era, they felt really comfortable sort of playing a higher event style of hockey where, you know, the defenseman would, would be pinching and they'd, they'd be comfortable allowing rush chances because they knew they had Luongo to bail them out. And, and as you sort of alluded to as well, the way that he was able to continue to evolve and refine his game to where in those early days, he was making so many desperation saves and it was fun. It was athletic, but then later in his career sort of developing and maturing so that he was more technically sound and have to rely as much on those um, spectacular uh, spectacular saves where he's diving and uh, uh, originally out of position and recovering. It was just really cool to see him sort of be the backbone for, for so long and again, continue to evolve. And I, I mean, even the 2010 Olympics, I know it's not uh, his time with the Canucks, but seeing that happen in Rogers arena, uh, Berdur was originally the starter there. And he sort of, I remember the first time Canada played the U S and, the U.S. scored a ton of goals and, you know, the confidence was a little down for sort of Canada going into the, going into the final, knowing that, okay, earlier in the tournament, U.S. kind of lit them up a little bit. Uh, but then Luongo, you know, after sort of after that U.S. game, I think it was really stabilizing the crease. And I'm glad that he, even though he wasn't able to win a Stanley Cup, I'm really, really glad he was able to win that Olympic gold medal in Rogers Arena. Overall, people will reference, yeah, his heart at times was maybe in Florida, but by far the most meaningful and important stretch of hockey he had was played in Vancouver. And Luongo would tell you the same thing because he spoke this morning about his time in Vancouver when he did a press conference at Rogers Arena, and we have the clip here. Let's listen to Roberto Luongo reflecting on his time in Vancouver. It was the most important stretch of my career. Uh, I think, um, you know, it was when I was in my prime, uh, you know, we had a great team. We, uh, we were in the playoffs. We made a, you know, a run to the cup, uh, played in the Olympics in the city, uh, which is unbelievable when you think about it, you know, uh, that it all came together like that. So uh, it's a huge, huge part of my life. Um, always will be. Always will be. And basically word for word what you just said. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that Olympic gold medal win because that was another thing that Luongo spoke about as well. Let's hear the clip first, Grady, of the gold medal win for Roberto Luongo. I only remember the last play. <laughs> so, um, and I look, I watch it all the time because it always comes up, right? Um, and uh, I just, 
I don't want to say too much because a lot of it has to do with my speech tonight, so I don't want to give everything away. But um, when the goal happened, I just remember, like, there was so much pressure, right, in that moment, given that it was the Olympics in Vancouver, Team Canada. Uh, I just felt like such, such a huge weight lifted off the shoulders because we wanted to get this done, obviously, and we, uh, we wanted to get it done on home soil. And uh, it's just a, a euphoric feeling. Uh, when the goal went in. I think everybody would describe it that way. I can't remember what happened in that game. I only remember the final goal. Like, can you remember that game very well? Yeah, it's it's crazy because I remember being glued to the TV. Uh, the U.S., I think, scored, the, scored a late goal to force the OT. And I remember watching OT, and for a second, our TELUS um, TV went out. Like there was an error message on the box, and that was exactly when they scored. And as soon as we got the, um, we got the feedback, it was them celebrating. So no. I, we actually missed the goal. I went, did was that a mass breakout? Or was that just I don't for know. you? Oh my gosh, that's horrible. That that's a horrible story. I, I didn't <laughs> know that happened. That's well, horrible. I mean, it's not horrible because as soon as it came back on, they're celebrating. So no, 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 you're trust immediately me, celebrating. That's horrible. Trust me, you. How did no, you see all the I goal. cared was they won? So, oh man, no, no, no. Watching the buildup and everything that that's happened horrible. In the what would have been horrible is if the state is if the states had won, is if if sure, if sure. you're just watching America like the Americans celebrate. I didn't care, I didn't care that it missed, it. I just care that they won. I guess we would have been like nine or ten years old during that. Game. Yeah. Do you guys remember in the round robin of the Olympics that year, the states actually had beaten Canada with Martin Brodeur and goal? And much like 2002 Olympics, um, Ed Belfour had started, or sorry, I think it was Curtis Joseph because he was Pat Quinn's, was the coach then. And it was Marty Brodeur who ended up taking over. And then 2010 comes along. Of course, there was 2006 in between there. And it was kind of like passing of the torch. Luongo came in and, you know, shut it down against, uh, was it Slovakia in the semifinals, I want to say. And then they went back to him for that gold medal game, and he was he was excellent. Now, all I remember of Marty Bruder in that tournament is there was a play where the puck came in and it was elevated, it was in the air, and he went to bat it out of the air like a baseball bat, and then put it right up the middle, and the other oh, team I remember scored. that play. And then I just remember that being on all the highlight reels of like why he was not going to be in the tournament anymore. And then from there, Luongo played. I don't remember the opponent. I don't remember the score. Like I said, nine or ten years old, folks. I don't remember anything other than him swinging at the puck, and obviously he liked to play the puck a lot. He was like a better version of Mike Smith, one might say. <laughs> um, but that's all I remember of that tournament with Marty Berder. Better version of Mike Smith. One might say it. One might say it. Others call him a top three goalie. I just say a better Mike Smith. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to get to on – Actually, no, sorry. I want to talk about Luongo the person a little bit more yeah. because there were very high highs in Vancouver and there were very low lows in Vancouver for Roberto Luongo. This guy who'd been booed at Rogers Arena. This is a guy who also had We Want Lou chants reverberating through BC Place when Eddie Lack got the start in that Heritage Classic game. And if you haven't listened to it already, Mike Gillis did an interview yesterday on our friends with Sakaris and Price. who recorded in this very studio if you haven't heard already. Um... He did an interview with them yesterday, and he provided a lot of insight on a lot of different things, said he thought Luongo should have his jersey retired. But one thing I really found interesting was talking about that um, decision to start 
Eddie Lack in the Heritage Classic, and he talked about how he was used to everybody being on the same page and working closely with Elaine Vigneault. And we know that's where, you know, the organizational dysfunction really started was when John Tortorella was the coach. And look, we know the dysfunction didn't really end until very recently. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very interesting answer from Mike Gillis because, you know, kind of ripped into John Tortorella a bit as, as I think he should um, at this stage. And that's another thing that I find interesting. And one thing I want to highlight is just that Luongo toward the end of his career, you know, with the Strombone account and everything, even with Vancouver media, he was able to poke fun at himself. He took things a lot less personally. And he really, you saw the maturation of the player, right? And I think as everybody gets older in this industry and in this game, a lot more honesty comes out. So I think that's why you're hearing the answer from Mike Gillis. Uh, But that's why I also think you heard this answer from Luongo on his infamous my contract sucks quote. It was an incredible line in the moment, but with the benefit of hindsight now, did your contract suck? <laughs> well, you know, that would, I, I don't even know how to respond to that, but uh, I'll just give you a little bit of the background over that. I literally 15 minutes before I came out, uh, found out that I wasn't getting traded to Toronto. So, um, so it was a little bit emotional at that very time, um, didn't really have time to regroup. And, um, you know, obviously, I, you know, the contract didn't suck, but uh, for certain reasons it did. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just remember it being so emotional in that very moment just because of what had transpired 15 minutes prior that uh, uh, I wish I would have had a few more minutes to, to maybe gather myself before I went out there. I. I feel for the guy like that's as honest of an answer as you're going to get. And yeah, like you can tell Vancouver meant a lot to him. Uh, He meant a lot to the people of Vancouver. Um, I don't have anything else on that. I just find Roberto Longo to be a very fascinating character in this city and in this franchise's history. Like I think the, like, I don't know, he's probably the most interesting guy to follow in terms of his story with the Vancouver Canucks. I think he has one of the most interesting stories of any Vancouver Canuck. No doubt. And as you mentioned later in his career, and of course, since he's retired, I think he's gained a lot of perspective. And that's where the humor, some of the self-deprecation comes from is even when he was referencing the the uh, Olympic win, so much of it wasn't just a pure euphoria. It was the weight off his shoulder, the shoulder. That's the first thing that um, he referenced. So for a big chunk of his time in Vancouver, in his prime, I'm sure he just felt, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but the pressure of playing in this market with cup expectations, uh, with some of the storylines around the team's playoff performance, that must have been absolutely crushing. And so I think it's really, really cool that he's been able to since then, you know, find ways to gain a different perspective and and free himself of of that towards the end of his career and uh his twitter account is just legendary yeah and i was just going to mention the twitter account and being a captain the only goalie in nhl history being a captain of a team in a canadian market when you know say he had a bad game or the team had a rough night he was always the one having to go answer in front of the microphones and meet the media in those post-game scrums and a lot of the time it's not really fair to have your goaltender 
put into those situations. So he shouldered that for two years. And uh, if you, if people want to know more about that, I encourage you to listen to that Mike Gillis interview, but I really thought the Twitter account kind of allowed him to come out of his shell in a self-deprecating way where he wouldn't take himself too serious. And we've all seen the quotes about the Anaheim incident in the playoffs there. And, you know, just some of the other tweets he's had over the years about the Eddie Lack heritage classic thing. And I think that's really allowed people to warm up to him as the person. We all know how great he was for the Canucks and the crease, but he kind of really came out of his own shell when that Twitter account, uh, you know, came to life when, you know, first people weren't unsure, were, were unsure if it would truly, it was him or not, but then we kind of realized, well, it was him. And that was one of the things Gillis talked about is that the team loved it. And not only the players, but the executives and the coaches thought it was fantastic too. And once that pressure had kind of been taken off of him, uh, no longer being the team captain, you saw this personality come to life. One thing I found interesting that Longo said in every interview he's done today uh, and in the days leading up is that he, one, doesn't regret being the Canucks captain, and it's something that he prides himself on most in his career. And I think that's a bit of a surprising answer to hear because, um, you know, just with how it all went, uh, but he takes a lot of pride that he was the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, kind of like what Grady alluded to. Not, not, No one can say they did that. No one can, definitely no one can say they did that in a Canadian market. Only a handful of people have been captains in Canadian markets. Uh, so it's, you know, it's... Uh, it was, it was interesting to hear that perspective. Uh, one thing he did today at his press conference was clear the air about a trade request. Uh, I think it was Ian McIntyre who asked him about this, uh, about the move to Florida and all that sort of stuff. So let's hear that clip, Grady. This was Roberto Longo this morning clearing the air about a trade request. Well, I, it wasn't a trade request, so I don't know what the story is, but uh, it was more of a mutual uh, with, with Mike Gillis. Uh, I think, you know, Corey was, was coming on and, we had a discussion at the end of the year and, and it was, I think we decided that it was best, you know, if I think I moved on and, and Corey was a guy. So it wasn't really a trade request. I think it was more of a mutual uh, decision. And uh, um, at that time, you know, I mean, Corey was lights out. So obviously I, I, I obliged and, and we tried to work together to work something out. Uh, we don't have the clip of this, but I want to read this answer as well because he took took the other chance he had to clear the air on something else about going on LTIR instead of retiring, which obviously triggered that uh, salary cap recapture penalty for the Vancouver Canucks for three seasons. Um, this was what he said about that. Well, it wasn't my call, unfortunately. I would have loved to go on LTIR and make a few extra dollars, but it wasn't my call. At that point in my career, it was a tough year. Talked about how it was hard he had to do all this stretching. We've heard about the foam roller for three hours before every single game just to get out on the ice. Uh, but the big thing is that he said it wasn't my decision uh, to retire and not go on LTIR. So I found that to be a very, very interesting uh, answer. Okay. Anything also, else, yeah. related to that contract, people will sort of, some people will reference that, um, sort of use that against him. I think ultimately the league in the first place should have never punished the Canucks retroactively for a contract that was perfectly legal when it was signed. Oh, absolutely. And like and Gillis said yesterday on Scaris and Price when he did the interview with them, he said there's a rumor out there that the Canucks were told that this would be against the rules. And he's like, no, we didn't. And if we had, we would have never signed it. And I believe Mike Gillis when he says that. 
Um, so yeah, if you haven't heard it already, folks, go listen to the Sakarison Price interview yesterday, uh, Wednesday, December 13th edition of Sakarison Price. They had Mike Gillis on, and it was a great interview with the former Canucks president and general manager. Okay, do you have anything else on Luongo before we go to the game? I just want to say, I think it's referencing his uh, his Twitter account. Do you remember back in 2020 when the pandemic first hit the Canucks Twitter March Madness? Yes. Oh, yes. I know where you're going with this. I thought about this today. Go on, go on. So it's funny. Basically, for people that aren't aware, I think it's Daryl. it was Daryl Keeping who was basically trying to crown the winner of the unofficial winner of Canucks Twitter, basically created a bracket style tournament where it where he would pit Twitter accounts against each other with a poll like format. Canucks Twitter would would um, vote, I guess, who they like more. Right. So they might pit me and you against each other and then people would vote. And um, it was a tournament style. So the final uh, the finals come. It's uh, me versus Roberto Luongo. Somehow for the beginning part of it, I had like a 53 or 54% lead. And then I get a message for uh, from Lou. And keep in mind, at, up until this point, I'd never interacted with him yeah. personally. Yeah. But he messages me and says, I might have to dust off my Twitter to get some votes, it seems. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, I was like, uh, I, I laughed and I was like, uh, do it, game on. I was like, you can make a joke about me being like 10 years old during the 2011 <laughs> run or something. And then he like quote tweets the, um, the bracket and he's like, Ten, he's like uh, 10 years ago we were both crapping our di- uh, crapping our pants one was in diapers the other was in the playoffs my psyche can't take another l and then the tweet got like almost 2,000 likes and it was hilarious seeing the votes shift in like in a matter of like five minutes just oh. hundreds of votes piling in for Lou and he won uh I thought that was hilarious and again just goes to show how uh funny and sort of involved he's been on um the twitter sphere and there's some of that self-deprecating humor that we're talking about just hilarious oh man he yeah he his twitter account is so much fun hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's pivot a little bit here. Let's get to tonight's game between the Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers. We'll start today with our Light the Lamp contest brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing. Vancouver is playing Florida tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media, keep an eye out for today's show clip, and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Twitter facebook and make sure you ask about four wins light light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at four wins brewing dot c a keep it simple tonight quinn hughes i was thinking leas patterson he probably won't get the hard match and so probably a little more likely to be able to get on the board i like it good thought process okay let's Excuse me. Jeez, that came out of nowhere. Um, Let's get to some quick stuff about tonight. Uh, The big thing, as you read over on CanucksArmy.com with scenes from Morning Skate, Jeff Patterson was at the rink this morning, uh, and he found out, this is on scenes from Morning Skate, that Pia Suter returns to the Canucks lineup. Nils Amon comes out. Suter will step in and center the fourth line with Andre Kuzmenko and Phil DiGiuseppe. No disrespect to Nils Amon, but... That seems like a pretty big step up for that fourth line to get Pia Suter as their center. Yeah, and it'll be beneficial for Kuzmenko as well to now have another center who's more offensively inclined, whereas before he would have, you know, perhaps felt that with Oman and Di Giuseppe, there isn't a whole lot of offensive creativity and and finishing on um, on that line. So I'm sure it'll help Kuzmenko, and also just an opportunity for Suter to ease his way back into the lineup. We saw when Teddy Bluger first um, first drew back in. I mean, he was forced into the third third line role because Suter had gone down with injury. But on the PK, for instance, they really wanted to ease him in, didn't want to put too much on, on his plate um, too quickly. And I'm sure that's how the coaching staff is thinking with, uh, with Suter as well, especially because Bluger, yeah, the finishing hasn't quite been there. But overall, that line has continued to sort of dominate the flow of play has been so consistent on a night in night out basis. And uh, Bluger has been uh, a supporting part of that. Uh, Bluger's eventually going to bump down to the fourth line. It's eventually going to be Suter going up. Uh, I do find that interesting that we're going to see that at some point Um, looking at the other side, this is going to be a very different looking Florida team than the last time these two teams faced off. All of Reckman Larson is no longer on the top pair. Gustav Forsling also has had his minutes kind of decreased with Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad both back in the Florida lineup. Um, They kind of withstood the injury-riddled start of the year that they had as a team. They're starting to look more like a team that could once again go to the Stanley Cup final. Like, now they're Sam Reinhart's team. That's the thing. Sam Reinhart's just absolutely lighting it up this season. Um, He's going to be kind of a player to watch tonight, but a different looking team than the one we saw when these two teams faced off earlier in the season. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be an entertaining game because Florida, especially under Paul Maurice, they forecheck so, uh, so fast, so aggressively. Uh, 
they're heavy. This is going to be one of those games for the Canucks where Tockett's quote-unquote staples are always important, but especially against the Panthers because that's a team that if you're if you're not able to really match their intensity, they're going to win a lot of battles. Uh, they love to have their defensemen pinch up pinch up the wall, so your wingers are going to have to be quick, decisive, sturdy, making decisions. And if you can do that, then that's how you're going to open up space offensively for the Canucks because I, I remember going back to the first time these two teams met, and for the first period, it felt like Florida was able to to dictate dictate things because of them just looking bigger and, and faster. But then in the last two periods, the Canucks were really able to up their intensity, up their competitiveness. They were moving the puck a lot quicker, and that's when they were really able to sort of um, take over. And for me, from a matchup perspective, I'm just really intrigued to see how the Canucks are, are able to slow down the the Barkov and Reinhardt line. I was lo- I was looking it up, and yeah, Reinhardt gets so much of the credit because he's near the top of the NHL leaderboard and goals. He's been electric offensively, but Barkov is probably the front runner for the Selkie Trophy right now. And you look at the numbers with the Barkov line on the ice this season. The Panthers have outscored opponents twenty three to five, so they've been absolutely feasting and of course Kachuk isn't even on that top line he's on a different line so this is going to be a significant sort of top six test for both the Miller and um and Pedersen Pedersen lines so yeah it's it's going to be an entertaining game and I think it's the right time for the Canucks to have a test like this too because coming off of both the Carolina and Tampa Bay wins two of their most complete even strength performances they're you know the Canucks are probably feeling good about their game right now. I'm curious who gets the match. Well, we know it's probably going to be JT Miller, but I'm curious how it goes because, look, you said the Brayden point line is no slouch, and they did a fantastic job in that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Miller line did it, shutting them down at 5-on-5, five five, but this is kind of a different beast, but also in that same kind of tier, I would say. So I'm very curious how that goes tonight. Um, more curious, I think, about the kind of division of ice time among the defensemen tonight because you just highlighted the heavy forecheck that Florida brings. I think the key to that is short shifts for the defensemen and, you know, maybe not too, too much of the mismatch if you can avoid it um, with the way the Canucks defense core has been playing as of late. Um, we'll see kind of how that goes tonight. We'll be back to break it down tomorrow. Um, Dr. Demko gets to start tonight. As we expected, he's going to be there for the ceremonial face-off. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, do you have anything else on the game before we move on? No, I think we're probably ready to get to anyone else. And sorry about all the ums, folks. I got a lot uh, a lot to look at right now because I don't want to miss anything. Uh, and I just did it again. Won't miss this one. It's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved in his up in the YouTube live chat. It's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms do apply. Don't worry about cooking dinner or running to the store. Let it all come to you with DoorDash. Okay, I like this one. From Jesse C. 
Next winter slash heritage classic, who would be your pick to match up versus the Vancouver Canucks? Seattle Kraken, T-Mobile Park. I love T-Mobile Park. Get me in there. They got the beautiful retractable like umbrella roof. So you still have the sides open. It's not an indoor game like it is at BC Place. Uh, Seattle Kraken, Vancouver Canucks. That's my pick. I really like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just because of the geographical proximity, I, I was thinking Seattle as well. It's it's too bad that they haven't had a chance to really forge a real rivalry yet, though. I know people are trying to, I don't, I don't want to say force it, but they'll they'll call it a rivalry, and it's not really. Rivalries are built in the playoffs, and uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to meet anytime soon. Maybe this would be an interesting one if they if they let's say end up meeting Vegas again in the playoffs, right? have another hard-fought series. And not that it would be a rivalry, but presumably moving forward, both teams would be competitive. Both teams would be good. Uh, you know, that would be an interesting opponent. I don't know what the ideal sort of location would be in terms of hosting it, but... Not BC Place. I can tell you that. Yeah. Don't I mean, do that again. The weather in Vegas uh, isn't really conducive to... Yeah. Outdoor <laughs> Neutral. I actually like the idea. Someone brought this up to me. I don't remember who it was. Someone brought it up, they're like, why don't they, like, fly into the mountains or do a game at Whistler? Yes, right? I was just going to say. Like, on the mountain, and then my, my you know, the thing I always come back to is, okay, well, how are you going to make money off it? Because there's not many people. Not many stands. people that are going to be going up and, there. And how flat how flat of an area can you really find? Yeah. You build a, a rink on a slope, and then an avalanche happens. Seems or like it could be a lot of safety concerns. The there. Lake Tahoe when this, yeah. the sun started well, melting the ice. It would be interesting. Lake Louise, say Canucks Flames or Flames even Oilers, but it's a it's a national park. I'm not sure you're getting the Canadian government unless there's a huge paycheck coming from the NHL to get involved. And then again, how are you fitting all those people in there to make enough? ROI so Trout Lake freezes over <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think logistically quad Seattle probably makes most sense yeah give me Seattle I think it'd be fun it'd be a lot of fun okay uh this one from Logan Van Dick is it too early to switch Kuzi and Mikheyev on PD's line so he's suggesting you keep Sam Lafferty you take Kuzmenko and replace him I think that's what he's trying to say yeah yeah I, first of all, I disagree with that, but I also disagree with the fact, the idea of taking Kuzmenko on, or excuse me, taking Lafferty off and switching with Kuzmenko. I think it is way too soon to be bumping Kuzmenko up in the lineup. I think he's just starting to get his confidence back, and I don't want to. Not. Yeah, I don't. I, like, I think he was saying uh, Kuzmenko with Patterson and Lafferty, not with. Not a lot. I think you said more recently that Lafferty was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean is I also, first of all, I think Mikheyev's finally starting to get going. And I don't think you should be switching Mikheyev off that line at all. But the idea of getting Kuzmenko back on the line, I don't even like that. If it's for Sam Lafferty or whoever it's for, it's too soon to bump up Kuzmenko. Yeah, they've been winning. Last two games at even strength were really complete performances. And while I, I liked Kuzmenko's last game, it has to be more than one game. Uh, to earn his way up the lineup. And look, you're going to have opportunities. It's a really long season. They're going to inevitably, like every NHL team, run into a lull at some point. I don't expect Mikheyev and Lafferty to be Pedersen's wingers for the remainder of the season by any stretch of the imagination. Mikheyev probably more so because he's been a constant there whenever he's been healthy. But 
Kuzmenko will have opportunities to earn his way back up into the top six. Yeah, and also Jesse Z pointing out Suter's back as well. Um, so we talked about that earlier, how that would give you know a bit more of an offensive-minded center for Kuzmenko to play with. He's still going to be in those soft matchups. Uh, I like it the way it is right now. I think it's a good setup uh, that they have. People are talking about the recapture penalty. This one from Oz Nuck. He said, ever wondered how the NHL was okay with Longo being hired by Florida while the Canucks were still paying off retained salary? little different there, Osnuck. The Canucks technically were never paying Luongo, and that's kind of what he cited. Um, if it was LTIR, then a team would have been paying him, but he chose to retire instead, which leaves all that leftover money on the table. He never got that. It was just a recapture penalty. There was no um, physical dollars being kind of moved to Luongo. It was literally just that the Canucks had a penalty, so they had a lower salary cap than everybody else that's all it was it wasn't a you have to pay Luongo this much for three years it was just you can't spend this money for three years because you've signed this contract it was complete bogus uh bs whatever you want to call it and i think one thing that didn't get enough attention at the time was the Canucks didn't have a president of hockey operations and when jim benning was asked about it he just said well the rules are the rules and yeah like he didn't there was no one to go to bat for the yeah. team at that point, it felt like. Um, like, if you have a president, like, I think right now, if that happens, I think Jim Rutherford at least go. first of all, I don't think it happens now, but Jim Rutherford at least goes to the league and tries to appeal it and makes that appeal known to Canucks fans. Like, I don't think Jim Rutherford comes out and just says, yeah, well, we're going to respect the rules. Like, no, I, I really don't think that would happen under Jim Rutherford's watch. And it's, I'm not even blaming Benning. I'm just saying that when there was no president, that was a real blind spot for the Canucks. Um, and just kind of saying like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, whatever. I mean, they did have Lyndon as president, but... Not when the recapture penalty came in. They, Lyndon was the one that hired Benning. Yeah, yeah. But the recapture penalty came in in 20... What year What year did that come in? Like, Lyndon, the Lyndon already amicably, amicably parted ways with the team is what I'm saying, right? Oh, you mean, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I thought you were you were speaking about the start of Benning's... No, no, no. I'm talking about right. when, when, oh, right, when right, Lyndon okay, so yeah, graciously yeah, right. stepped aside because he didn't want to do the job anymore. That's what I'm talking about. Right, okay, my no, bad. No one overseeing yeah. uh, Jim Benning. Well, yeah, anyways. <laughs> no president of hockey operations overseeing Jim Benning. Yeah, sorry, I, I bungled. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, it's all good. Uh, do you have anyone else or anything else you want to get to? Uh, let's get to this one from Brad. Uh, with Bear now out of the picture, who is the next right D the team goes after? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't love the... I mean, there are options, but again, like, are you going to give up another asset for a guy that doesn't move the needle, right? If it's another depth option, I, I don't think it makes sense to, you know, give up an asset for an Ilya Labushkin or a Sean Walker. It, I just don't think those guys move the needle enough to justify giving up pieces for rental. Like I've said before, the only one that might make sense, even to, even Tanev, like the initial asking price based off Pierre LeBron's reporting this week is a first round pick. Now, obviously the price is like uh, the initial ask in mid-December is always going to be high. It doesn't mean anybody's going to step up, step up and actually get, um, you know, offer a first round pick. The price might come down, but the point is like, even with Tanev and I wouldn't hate the idea of trade and then extend um, if the parameters of an extension are reasonable, 
but even then like that's you know it's not going to be cheap so i i'm almost at the point now where unless it's a piece that you're confident is going to be a real long-term fit in somebody that actually moves the needle it may not make sense to give up more assets wonder if someone we're not even thinking of similar to how it was with Philip Ronick last year, where his name's not out there at all and pull the trigger and there's your guy. That's going to be a long-term fit for your team. Okay. A lot of really Look good at interaction. Some former penguin defense defenseman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, looking, there's a lot of interaction in the YouTube live chat today. So thank you folks. Uh, Oz Nuck said, thanks for clarifying, but I was more looking at how the NHL picks and chooses what to enforce. And that is absolutely fair. That's yeah, an absolutely it's... fair point to make uh nar asked this given the league co-signed luongo's contract should they have penalized themselves along <laughs> with the canucks nar the answer is absolutely yes they should have and just i was reading about it because you threw me off with your linden comment florida had a recapture penalty too yeah it wasn't nearly as significant it was one million yeah yeah one million stop them from carrying uh you know like an extra journeyman on their roster but also let's be honest as much as the league should have never enforced that um, that penalty. What would Jim Benning have done with extra cap space? <laughs> Do we really want, like it's a penalty in its own right? <laughs> it's almost like uh, the team might have been better off with uh, with Benning not having cap space, so he could what, inflict less. Damage. What would Canucks fans' reaction be if the league said, "All right, we have to punish you. The Vancouver Canucks have been given an extra ten million in cap space." <laughs> Well, they're going to go sign Kyle Pozo. They're going to sign Ryan. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names. Anyways, that's a good one. I like that. It's good. Uh, okay. Uh, do we have anything else here? No. Uh, Osnuck said, who the hell remembers Stephen Anthony? You remember Stephen Anthony? The name rings a bell, but. Yeah, no, me. I don't. He, uh, yeah, <laughs> he went into he went to Florida in the Luongo trade for Matthias and, and Markstrom. What? No. Yeah. I've, yeah. I... Stephen Anthony, All look right, it up. Now I got to look it up. I uh, believe he played junior with Jonathan Huberto. I might be getting this wrong, but like he had a ton of junior points, something like that, where he exploded and there was some high hope for this guy. Yeah, he played pro. No Dane Fox, though. No, yeah. He played pro for three years and then he finished out at the University of Windsor. I love that. Went back and played university hockey. Wow, yeah, he was part of that deal. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Now, the Phoenix Coyotes traded his draft rights. The seventh-round pick that they used to draft him was traded to the Vancouver Canucks for... Can anybody get this? I can't. I'm not right, right-handed defenseman. <laughs> Sean Heshka. Sean Heshka, who played a total of zero games for the Vancouver Canucks. All right. Real interesting stuff here on Canucks Combo. Um, this is still better than your Otani talk. So absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. He played. He played with the Manitoba Moose. He was teammates with all those guys that were down with the Moose. You've got Yannick Hansen down there. Oh, we should just we should have a whole show maybe in the summer where we just name guys. We just got to go on hockey DP, DB rabbit holes. Yeah, Danny Sabrin, like, random Canucks. And just to be fair, Anthony never actually lit it up. In St. John's, he did play with Huberto on that team, though. Hmm. James Neal. Wow, I forgot James Neal was on that team. And he's on what interesting. team? Uh, James Neal was on the uh, Manitoba Moose. Oh, did they have like a joint um, AHL affiliation? affiliation? Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, they must have. 
because that's news to me. Real deal. Maybe I read that wrong. Okay, I got to stop just paying it. I got to stop being on HockeyDB. Um, Riveting okay. podcasting yeah, and exactly. live streaming right exactly. here. Exactly. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day. There it is. Our Betway bet of the day. Brought to you by our friends, of course, over at Betway. Keeping it simple tonight, folks. Quinn Hughes at plus 325 odds. A $10 bet will return you $42.50 over on Betway. It must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. That's Quinn Hughes to be an anytime goal scorer this evening. And for me to look down the press box at Chris Faber, who now sits on the dark side, and shoot him that look because we still have our bet. Uh, that will be, I don't know if we'll live stream it on Twitter, but uh, he's taking me to dinner at Eliza. Uh, little steak and two rum and Cokes when we, uh, when Quinn Hughes eventually hits 20 goals this season. Closing thoughts? Two rum and Cokes. That's right. Pace yourself. That's all I need. Bud. That's all I need. Yeah, you get tanked easily. That's right. That's right. I've seen that. That's right. Hey, by the way, are we getting an OEL tribute video tonight? That's a, no, no. You Why bought not? him out. You bought him out. This management regime bought him out. If the last management regime bought him out, maybe. They this should just flash his cap friendly page with the buyout calculations. <laughs> Actually, you know board. what? He was a good guy. He like, was. He everybody really liked you, him. Yeah. Everybody liked him. It'll be like the Travis. It'll be like they'll put him on the big board and it'll be welcome back. It won't be thank you, yeah. OEL. It'll be welcome back. Yeah. You were here. You're back here. Howdy. Can they just That'll have be Jim it. Benning's head pop up in like the corner of the screen too? I oh. wonder if. Uh, I was By the way, the I wasn't day. I wasn't serious about the tribute. I'm just I know I know, but you're you're still I still think it's a good. They're still gonna do it. They're still gonna. Oh, say they'll like, give him a, yeah. a graphic like There's they no did Travis. Yeah. yeah, but Jim Benning, do you think he'll ever work in the league again? Dale Talon worked Ooh. in the league again for the Vancouver. Not Cubs. as a GM. No, Maybe of course not. He will never like be a GM. Sort of no. scouting advisor role. Yeah, we, I mean, old hockey men get recycled all the time. Yeah, right. So, but also it's weird that weird and uncanny that. He's basically disappeared. We haven't heard from him. That NBA is doing wonders, man. Other than um, other than uh, when Lyndon and Benning like a month ago were <laughs> just came out of the woodwork who drafted oh, Benning again. <laughs> That's Benning's. Yeah, he came out of witness protection to drop that, which was two yeah. th- two things we don't want to rehash. That thing, and then the Luongo Ring of Honor jersey retirement yeah. jesse c asking if i like uh rum and eggnog oh it's good for like once one drink and then after that yeah it's, it's it, yeah I, too I'm, much sugar i'm a big rum and eggnog guy big rum and nog guy when 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 do you guys get your first nog of the year because i get it in like Never. october <laughs> i buy mine in october oh they even sell it that early yeah you just gotta look hard wow yeah it's like i don't drink down so. you don't drink eggnog no oh <laughs> All right, we'll close it out there. <laughs> Harmon's leaving for a week, which I need after that comment. Uh, Harmon, thank you for joining us today. Uh, you'll be in throughout the week as well uh, over the Zoom machine or whatever it is. So that'll be a lot of fun. Guest co-hosts next week. And tomorrow, Jeff Patterson will join me in the studio. We'll be here to break it down. And you'll be with Jeff tonight, breaking down this evening's game between the Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Rangers. So make sure you check out Rinkwide Vancouver later. Hit that subscribe button notification bell we are live monday to friday at 2 p.m and if you're on the podcast come check out the live show come hang out come interact with us all your interaction is much appreciated before now 
signing off. My name is Dave Guadrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Our technical producer was Grady Sass. This has been another episode of Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.